Where are you in your leadership journey? Designed to inspire and empower other ambitious individuals, the Mindful Rebel Leadership Podcast brings attention to leaders in our community who are influencers, change makers, and innovators, and focuses on where they are currently in their leadership journey. So take a few minutes, be open and receptive to set intention to learn from the journey of doers and thinkers, demonstrating success in their life and in their respective areas of influence. Thank you and welcome to season two of the Mindful Rebel Leadership Podcast. The Mindful Rebel Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Gamefly.com has all the new releases and classics available for rent for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and all the other systems. Sign up for a free 30-day trial specifically for my listeners at GameflyOffer.com slash MindfulRebel. That's GameflyOffer.com slash MindfulRebel. Welcome to Season 2 of the Mindful Rebel Podcast, a podcast about journeys and leadership. In this episode, we'll talk to Milan Mobley, CEO and lead publicist for You Management Public Relations. Uh, welcome, Milan. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, thank you. And I, you know, got to mention, uh, Milan is a BSU family member uh, from Bowie State University, so we got to call that out. Uh, so thank you for being on the show. Uh, I guess the best place to get started is... Uh, how did you get how did you get started in particular with the work that you do for you management public relations um public relations started my freshman year in college i attended bethune cookman university and i was like okay you know it's my freshman year i definitely want to get involved so i was thrown not really thrown but introduced to their freshman class executive board and the president was like okay well we need somebody that does public relations I'm like, okay, of course, not knowing public relations was at the time, but I'm not about to turn down an opportunity to get involved. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. So he's like, okay, we have our e-board meeting this day, whatever, whatever. So I said, okay, cool. I go back to my room and I literally like hop on Google and I start learning all this stuff about public relations just so I can understand exactly what public relations is. So from there on, I became the freshman class public relations coordinator and I was doing exactly what publicist the PR agent the PR um, strategist does we do you know craft the press releases we go out and seek those opportunities gain exposure for whatever it may be so my first task was really to gain sponsorship from one of the um, food areas that we will always go to everybody at the school would go to it was very popular down um, at Cookman so my job was to get um, us a homecoming deal I think it was for like a discount so I went in did that and came back and sealed the deal so after that it was like that feeling that I had when at that moment and seeing you know how everybody reacted seeing how the other party reacted it was just one of those feelings that you that I knew that I could stick with and that I wanted to do for a while okay so how did that you know with that that I guess excitement around what the end product is like for public relations. I guess how did that naturally evolve for you into like professional career work? Um, like how did you transition once you graduated into making that you know your bread and butter for for what you want to do career wise? Um, of course, no one wants to go to school, accumulate thousands and thousands <laughs> and thousands of dollars of loans to not work in what you do unfortunately it happens but that's not the dream that's not the goal like you didn't spend four years at an institution and 80,000 to 100,000 or more dollars to walk out and be in somebody's um, gym you know especially if you have a psychology degree that's not your goal so for me when I left 
I applied to so many, even when I was still in uh, at Bowie, my senior year, I was applying to different jobs and everything within my field or just around the communications area. And I was applying, 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 applying. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting anything back. Once I graduated, I've been working at the government. Um, is it, no, so it'll be seven years next month. So I've been working at the government as a customer service rep and information resource services under civil rights for agriculture. So I was working, I've been working there. So I'm like, okay, you know, I really don't want to continue this for too, too long. I don't want to be in the government 40 plus years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't been happy this whole time. So again, I was applying, applying, applying and still heard nothing back. So I'm like, okay, I'm tired of this. I need to make some moves because it doesn't seem like anybody's picking up with jobs. And of course it's not because, oh, your resume sucks or you're not, you know, qualified, but then again, technically to them, you're not qualified because they're like, oh, you have to have two degrees and 10 years of experience. And I'm like, I'm only at the time, I'm like, I'm only 21. Like, <laughs> you want me to come back when I'm 31? Okay. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, you can't, as, as many times as you'll sit here and apply, as many times as you'll get the same message back, you could start your own thing. And I wanted to start my own thing. I had that idea sophomore year when I first transferred to Bowie, but I didn't, you know, think of that. And I wasn't thinking like, okay, at 21, that's when you'll start. I'm like, okay, probably like 26 when I get my master's, I've learned a little bit more, you know, just I've learned some stuff. No, it didn't happen like that. I was just like, I'm tired. I can't do it. So I initially worked, I think like five days straight and only slept six hours because I was learning how to start a business. I was learning what I needed to do to become a official, an official business. I was learning um, how to operate as a publicist, like actual publicist on her own and what you, what you needed, you know, what type, what the clients would look for, contracts, um, anything that you could think of that you technically need as a publicist owning your own public relations agency. I learned in five days, In five <laughs> so, days. Okay in five days today <laughs> i mean literally like google was my best friend google youtube you know just just obtaining so much information about business and and how to actually run because i know pr clearly i went to school for you know i was active in it throughout my undergraduate career but it was the business side that i was lacking hmm. i needed to understand that so on that fifth day the company was an official company i had the llc um i gained my first client that fifth day uh, what else happened on that fifth day? Um, I think I was in the process of making my website. It wasn't up officially, but I was working at it. Wow. I mean, that's good that you you took that initiative to be able to to develop. I know I, I think so many times it's easy to get caught up. Like we all have like computers in our pockets with our phone and, and have such a a deep access to information that that you know for you to take advantage of that and be able to use that and wield that in a way that you're able to start, you know, your own business just by the information that you found online. Because it's all at our fingertips, essentially. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I say that all the time. I'm like, we pay, and it's crazy because we do pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to school when you really could just sit there and probably learn what they're teaching you. Yeah. So with the, so I guess looking at what, what you've done for public relations and then kind of transitioning over to the Entrepreneur's Brunch, what or how did that come about and why was it important for you to develop um, this in particular? And I'm, I'm assuming by the name that the, if the focus is for um, women entrepreneurs, what would, um, why did you de develop this and why was it important for you? So the Women's Entrepreneur Brunch was developed due to the lack of connectivity we have as women. Um, it's so hard for women in general just to get along, but it's even harder, crazy, for women in business to get along. 
you look at someone that's in your career field that's a woman and we automatically or instantly think like, oh, you know, she's not, we, we have to criticize. We can't just say, go girl or yes, sis. We have to criticize <laughs> in the worst way. Um, but then again, not, not all women are like that. So this brunch was important to bring those women who don't think like that and are thinking like me, like, oh my gosh, why can't we just hug each other and just support each other together. And then we can bounce ideas off of each other. We can inspire each other. And then we can bring those who are looking at us every day, like, oh my gosh, I wonder what she's doing. Invite them into our space. Teach them, educate them. So was there a particular instance that made you stop and thinking like, you know what, I need to figure out how to address this issue and and figure out what's an organic way to do this. Was there something that, that I guess birthed this idea in particular? Social media, just reading, you know, seeing different successful entrepreneurs and reading their comments and some are positive and then some are so negative or you'll see like little emojis with the side face. I'm like, seriously, why is that? And then I'll go to the person's page or it'll, like it may be private, but in their bio, it'll say stylist or something. So I'm assuming as a stylist, you are a form of an entrepreneur. So, but why are you being so negative to this person? Wow. Are you upset about something that she's doing? You know, do you envy something that she's doing? How about you reach out and ask and not be afraid? So in this space, of course, we're networking, we're educating, we're inspiring each other. So all of that negativity and all those, you know, fears are out the door. So what has the reception been like around the Entrepreneur's Brunch? Wow. It, the first year, I think I sold like 48 tickets. This year, I sold 100. Wow. Right. So it was unexpected to even do that the first year, only because I'm like, okay, this is January that I'm planning this and I'm trying to have this in March. So ideally, I'm like, the promotion time is bad, marketing time is bad, but I'm still going to just put it out there and just go for it. So um, the event has been very successful as far as like attendance wise. I've had great panelists both years. This year, I actually introduced a keynote speaker. Her name is Raven Jones. She is a self-employment strategist. So after my panel came on, man, they were all of different backgrounds as far as from YouTube to um, mentoring to jewelry to fashion. They were all had different backgrounds, but they the questions we developed asked them all something different. So like one was like, what is your sales funnel? What is your, um, like as far as YouTube goes and everything, how do you market and brand yourself? So, you know, all those are things that are essential in business. So all of those were different. And then Raven, she came and she basically gave tips and tools on how to expand your business to the point where you are making that transition. So it'll be easier when you're ready to leave your boss or leave your job. Um, I know the social media page, I, I, I control so many social media pages. So actually on the entrepreneurs brunch page, I'm getting better. I think I've post like 200 and some posts, which is decent. I feel like I could do a little bit more and be a little bit more consistent on that. But we have like 500 and some followers, which is great considering I just started it um, this year and back in January. And I was like, just so I could promote this year's brunch. Wow. So out of that, I guess out of that brunch and this this um, meeting of the minds for all these um, women entrepreneurs and kind of movers and shakers in their respective field, for you, you know, seeing it for, for two years, I guess, what has been the best piece of advice that you've heard from, from both brunches that you will, you feel like is beneficial to an up-and-coming um, entrepreneur? The first brunch, I sat on a panel. I actually sat on a panel in the first brunch. Um, 
but from my co-panelists, I guess we can call them, or the ladies that I selected to speak on the panel, they all kind of said the same thing, and it's very important entrepreneurship is not to lose yourself. Hmm. We get so wrapped up in in our lives that everything becomes chaotic and our entrepreneurial lives, everything else on the outside becomes chaotic. And I was just telling Sean, I was like, Oh my gosh, I so forgot this call was at seven o'clock because why? <laughs> I'm, it's so much going on in my mind from relationships to school, to business, to everything else that I'm like, you know, overwhelmed with, I forgot to take care of where I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks crazy, but that's an important piece of you because that's where you get your peace and serenity at. So if you come into your room, for me, like I said, that's my peace and serenity. If I come into the place that's supposed to be peaceful and it looks crazy, how much peace am I really receiving? Very true. Very true. So, like, so like you know, that's a part of losing. Like, you, I've lost, like, I lost the, what mattered the most, and that was keeping this part of me together. So I'm, like, a mess right now. So that's why we say don't lose yourself because it becomes so, so easy. Um, from this year's brunch... I think the most important piece, and that came from Raven, she said, make, oh, she said a lot that was great. So I'll give three. Okay. <laughs> going when to tell your clientele, hey, um, these are my hours, stick within them. We can't talk after, basically. And that's very important because when you're a new entrepreneur, you feel like you have to give so much. What you do, you have to put your all into your your brand, your business. But with your clients, they have to understand you do have personal hours, especially if you're in a relationship, you have a family, you do have a life still. And we can't dedicate our everything 24 hours a day to our clients because, again, it goes back to last year. You'll lose yourself. <laughs> you'll lose everything else around you because you're spending four hours on the phone at 10 o'clock at night, especially if you have a man next to you or a woman next to you, they're going to be like, um, okay, so when are you going to be done? You know what I mean? Like, when, <laughs> uh, you forgetting about me. So yeah, definitely. Um, that was a great piece. The second piece she said about the mailing list, she said it's so important to develop a mailing list and get people to subscribe to your website. So when you do have things, you're sending it out and you're reaching you're reaching your target audience versus keep trying to put it on Instagram. Just build your mailing list because just picture ideally if your mailing list was the same count as your following on Instagram. Very true. Very true. And how impactful that would be, especially when you know the email marketing side of it. Cause we have what MailChimp and I use MailChimp and MailChimp shows you your open click rate. And I normally play around with it to see what days of the week. So like, let's say I send out something on Tuesday this week, I'll probably shoot on Wednesday next week around the same time just to see which is more engaging for my mailing list. So that was another piece that she said. And what was the third one? Ooh, what was the third one? I forgot. Okay, if I remember, I'll bring it back. But those, <laughs> those top two are very, very important, though. Those are, like, the top two. Okay. So with that, you know, and, you know, you've served as a panelist on, uh, on at the brunch in particular. But I know you also um, – are a part of the Black Girl Boss podcast. So why was it important for you to share your voice in that capacity as well? Um, and what does that, I guess, kind of mean to you to be a part of um, sharing your voice in that way? First, shout out to Tatum. That is the co-host, but she also founded the Black Girl Bosses podcast. It means so much to me because we get to provide a level of transparency that you can't see through Instagram pictures. You get to see that level of transparency 
that you won't get to see when you just may see me at an event walking around in my craft, I guess you could say. So it means a lot that I can actually tell these women and, and inspire them through the different topics that we have weekly to be a better them, be a better entrepreneur and just remain humble. And that's the biggest thing that we always talk about. Like through anything, we always talk about like our struggles. It's not like we say, oh yeah, girl, this week I landed 16 clients and, and you know, we talk about the struggle of it. Like, okay, yeah, I may have gotten these clients, but let me tell you about how hard it was. Let me tell you about how this, this, and the third happened. So being able to give them that and then providing them with things that they didn't know. And we learned weekly too. Tatum will say something like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, we learn from each other and then we learn from them because they'll ask us questions, which makes us pick our brains and dig a little deeper. Mm. So I was thinking about your perspective here and like, how do you define leadership? <sighs> leadership stressful um <laughs> that's part of it it is <laughs> it definitely is leadership is definitely stressful leadership requires a certain level of dedication consistency persistence you have to as a leader know how to motivate you have to also know how to step back and listen a lot of leaders don't know how to step back and listen sometimes when i say listen listen to your team listen to your public listen to your mentor listen you just have to listen whether if you're just walking listen because you're going to hear something that is so so valuable um leadership is also about remaining humble because being in power or having such a strong role as a ceo or as a sga president or you know whatever that position may be that you feel is such so high and it looks to be so so spontaneous or whatever the case may be it's easy to lose it and be like oh i'm sga president i can do this because i'm sga president or i'm the ceo because i can that's not the case because you have to remember how you got there you didn't win sga president because you're SGA president, you won because those students put you there. You didn't become a CEO because you just woke up one day and said, oh, I'm a CEO. No, you invested time, you invested energy, you you built something. And everything that you built can be taken away so easily. So that's how I would define leadership, just in all of those characteristics. So with that, you know, I was going to ask, you know, with, you know, with both of our SGA backgrounds, you know, how... How has, I guess, your student leadership roles at Bowie, in particular with SGA, how, how did it prepare you for the PR work that, you've, um, that you're in now? Or what S lessons did you pull from that? <laughs> SGA taught me how to smile. <laughs> My <laughs> e-board would weigh so heavy on me. They'd be like, students don't find you approachable because you don't smile. And I'm not the, I'm, I'm that leader that's like, get it done. Like, I'm, you can approach me, you can talk to me, you can do whatever, but I'm not just walking around smiling because in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got to get this done. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Hey, how are you today? And it's just like so stern and just so get it done. So they're like, no, we get that. And people see that you're working, but they still want to feel your presence. They still want to know, you know, that you're here, that you're not. So I'm like, okay. So I, they used to bash on me so, so much. And when I say bash, like they had no cut cards. And I'm like, okay, I'm working on it. They're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, well, I'm not Miss Bowie. I'm not supposed to walk around smiling all the time. That's why I have Marissa, which is my line sister. She was Miss Bowie at the time. I said, that's her job. She's going to smile and she's going to be, you know, the everybody loves. I'm the one that's going to be the bad guy in meetings with the president. <laughs> you know, so it definitely prepared me to smile at events when I'm there for a client or, you know, just, just having that type of, um, charisma with me that you need as a publicist 
dealing with the public or dealing with the media. You can't just have that. So, you know, you definitely have to sometimes have that, that stern hand, but you can still be graceful with it. So I, it definitely taught me how to be that. Um, it also taught me how to deal with multiple personalities. <laughs> it definitely did teach me that having an e-board, I think my cabinet was like a 17, you know, SGA and Bowie and a lot of other schools are kind of big. Yes. Yes, they are. So <laughs> so many personalities and I'm a Virgo, so I'm not sure how big you are the horoscope so everybody else is, but Virgos are so stubborn, we're strong-minded, and we can, it's just a lot. We can be a lot. It's either you love us or you don't. It's no in-between. So having so many personalities and me just being me, I was, I had to learn not to be stubborn. I had to learn to, like I said, listen, I had to learn that thing we do in SGA where as in SGA vice president and presidents, when your e-board saying something, you may not always agree, but you're like, okay, I got it. Mm -hmm. you got to take it in and let them see that you're, you're processing it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I've learned to do that in all situations. I maybe, you know, have a disagreement with someone and they're talking and I won't, instead of saying, yeah, no, I don't get it. I'm like, okay. Oh, I, I, I see where you're, where you're coming from. Or if I don't, I'm like, you know, I really don't see where you're coming from, but I'm trying. So it's taught me all of those things, and those are great life tools only because you can't come into a meeting with your client and somebody else and somebody says something you don't agree with, and you're like, yeah, no, I don't feel it, not agreeing. You can say, okay, I can see where you're coming from. Well, however, how about can we do this? You know, you have to learn how to spin it and give those suggestions. So I definitely appreciate SJ for that, and I appreciate SJ for giving me my charisma. Okay. So you brought up an interesting point, and I know that, you know, I've, I've heard this argument kind of come up recently. I, I'm a big fan. I watch The View all the time, and they were talking about um, the gymnast that's on Dancing with the Stars, I think Simone Biles, who um, I, there was some controversy around um, one of the judges, you know, telling her that she needed to smile. Um, and, no, they kind of brought in the gender discussion around that particular topic of kind of being offended that someone's you know, told a, a, a black woman that she needed to smile. Like, do you think that that, did, did you think about it from that perspective? Or do you, have you ever thought about, I guess, being asked that, you know, particularly, you know, around SGA, and I know it's a little different dynamic, but did that ever come into play with you thinking about like gender and, and, and like, would that question have been asked to you or would that have been an issue, you know, if, if, if you were a, a male, you know, did, has that ever come up for you or have you thought about it from that perspective? It's actually funny you asked that. That was um, one of the topics topics of conversation as my vice president, I were running, my vice president was a woman as well. So, and she's just like me, like not smiling. <laughs> so it was kind of like, okay, they're already looking at two women running for this position, one. And this is the conversation that was being had with us. Two, you both were very strong-minded and people may not always find you approachable. That's two. And three, you're coming into a, a place where it's been, you know, mostly men often. And then you have other women who may look at you and say, oh, well, what can she do? Kind of brings me back to what I just said about the entrepreneur's brunch, you know, looking at you in that light instead of just being happy and supportive. So we did get that a lot of just about, you know, smiling and being graceful and just being that, that soft touch, I guess, a woman is quote unquote supposed to be. And so that definitely did come up a lot. Um, going into and running in the election season and me and my vice president both were kind of like okay at the time 
being who we are, we were like, what? No, whatever. If they don't want to vote for us because we don't smile, then okay. You know, we were just kind of like that. But it, it was like you were kind it was, I guess we felt like our character was kind of being tested and who we were in a sense, like you, in order to win this position, you have to act like this. And that wasn't us because we didn't want to give the students anything fake. Right, right. And so that, yeah, it came up. Okay. So I guess looking at, um, are there any particular like resources that you utilize that kind of help keep your leadership, your entrepreneurial skills like sharpened, like any books, um, other podcasts, you know, movies, anybody, anything that kind of help keep you um, sharp in terms of your own development? Yes. Okay. So don't laugh at me. The two movies, and if you're probably like, what? The Intern. Okay. No, okay. I'm, I'm interested. To, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm interested to hear this. Yes. The Intern. So she's so successful. She was so successful in the movie. She was, you know, she kind of was like a, what, an overnight sensation where it just happened so fast and then she just blew up and then they were trying to convince her to sell her company and everything. The reason why that movie sucked to me so much and I was so interested is because, excuse my, can I, can I say the B word? Yeah, you're fine. Okay. She was such a bitch. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that, and that stereotype right there, right there is what people see with women in leadership. That's the first thing people think of or assume before you even open your mouth. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, I hope when God blesses me with, you know, the success that I'm working hard for, I don't turn like that. I, you know, I don't forget. And it seemed like she forgot. And it was that. Then her husband was cheating on her because she didn't have enough time. And that's when that whole time thing came into my mind. Like, no, you have to like stop your clients from calling at this time of night because if you don't you're going to be a workaholic and you're not going to have time for anything and you're going to get cheated on because you're a workaholic <laughs> so <laughs> it was so many different things but it, like I said it was sticking not only just because of those she was hard working and it was like okay you're hard working you know I was definitely relating to everything that was happening with her but I also saw the negatives of entrepreneurship hmm. that's, inter- that's-, that's an interesting way to look at it of, of looking at it from a perspective of like I can see going down that route, but not wanting to get to the point where she got to as far as, like, going so far gone and being so lost in the work. Losing herself, see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then having interns and how she kind of treated him at first was so, so bad. You know, he just wanted to work, and he was just so happy to be there. And I had interns and stuff, so it kind of makes me, when I saw that and I was getting my interns, I'm like, no, I don't want to be like that. Like, I want them to come talk to me. I want them to leave and be like, my CEO, you know, my boss is the best. So I definitely, I that definitely suck. And then the devil wears Prada. Okay. She was just fierce. <laughs> she was fierce. You know, she definitely stepped into her own after not being so fierce. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm stepping into my own. I want to remain fierce. I want to remain positive. I want to remain humble. And I just want to, you know, kill it presentation-wise. So whenever I think of, like, a boss, I always refer back to the devil wears Prada and how she was dressing. So that's, like, two personal developments of myself. Just like, okay, you got to be fierce. You got to, you know, be that. But you also have to check yourself at the door so you don't end up like her in the intern. And it's so funny because she was in both movies. Yes, yes, she was. And that's <laughs> what I was thinking. I was like, that's a cool kind of connection that, you know, Anna Hathaway was in both of those movies. That's cool. Yes, I love Anne Hathaway. So, yeah. So, and they, they were similar movies. Yeah. She just wasn't, she was, she was kind of like the intern, the flunky in The Devil's Rare Prada. And then she was the boss in The Intern. So it's kind of weird, but definitely love that. Um, books that I read or have read that have helped. One is 
branding in less than 1,000 words. And that is by, um, Lord, who is that by? It is by Rob Burns. And he has other books. He has um, a book called Marketing in Less Than 1,000 Words. And he's a bestseller. So he has a couple of books. I think it's like a series of like 1,000 words and how you can do different things. And it basically, in that book, teaches you why is a brand important. Um, branding is owning psychological real estate. Um, what else? It talks about... Um, be something that your consumers like. It teaches you the importance of making your brand's name universal. So when you travel to another country and you're, you say, this is my brand's name, it doesn't mean high five <laughs> in their country. You know, it's something that is substantial and means the same thing all around. Hmm. Wow, I and never thought about it from that perspective. Yeah, and that's very important. And But a lot of us don't think of it like that. We're like, oh, yeah, this is nice. I like it. <laughs> and we don't think of it in the aspect of being universal. So that's that's a really great read. And it's like 12 pages, honestly. You can actually get it on ebooks because oh. it's less, literally a 1,000 words. Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay. Yeah, quick read. And look, I definitely, like I said, look at all of his books because, you know, he has one for marketing. He has a 1,000 words for a lot of things. Okay. So this is what you're looking for. Um, then the other one is The Power of Habit. Um, it's, Char- it's by Charles Dougie, Dungy, Dungy, D-U-D-U-H-I-G-G. So, yeah, that one is a great read as well. So, I know how we all talk about breaking a habit. There's not necessarily a such thing as breaking a habit. All you do is pick up a new one. Hmm. So, it's not really necessarily breaking a habit. It's more so changing a bad habit into a good habit. Because you can. You can change a bad habit into a good habit. You just can't break a habit. Because hmm. all you pick up another one, so it's called the power of habit. That's an interesting way to reframe it, and it make yeah, it makes you look at that whole idea of habits and 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 getting rid of or changing them from a whole another perspective and attacking it from a different way. Hmm. Exactly. I when and I didn't think of it like that until it was brought to my attention from Tatum, and she's like, "You need to read this book," and I'm like, "Why?" And then she kind of like briefly, I'm like, "Okay, I'm just going to read it." So when I actually started reading, I'm like, "Wow." That is actually correct. And people say that all the time. Oh, yeah, I got to break this bad habit. I got to do this. No, because a lot of people that smoke cigarettes and stuff, nine times out of ten, when they stop that habit, they picked up another one. And exchanged it out for something else. Mm-hmm. For something else. Like, let's say they chew gum all the time now. Hmm. that. You know, the cool part is, well, the cool part and the selfish part about the podcast is that, like, I use, like, a lot of these... Uh, the suggestions from my my guests mm-hmm. i'm using it to build my, my own book library again so um that's a good one i actually saw that in barnes and noble so i'm definitely probably gonna have to pick that up anyway uh the less than a thousand words as well yes go for it i'm here to give all suggestions for all. <laughs> uh, other books that i, I mentioned on the background bosses podcast is brand like dummies the for dummies book I know people are like, I don't want to get that book. I'm not dumb. It's not even that you're dumb. It just points out so many little things that you did not know or that you think that you knew, and it just like, elaborates on them. So all of the For Dummy books, I'm here for. Yeah, they're good because they synthesize stuff so well. So, they, yeah, yeah. I know, like, for I when I, I have the Public Relations For Dummies book, um, it's on my phone. Let me see. Let me look at one of the chapters just to give a, a exam, an example of one. Um, the Power of PR. Who needs PR? Um, the va- the real value of PR. The relationship between PR and the media. 
the many components of PR, what PR is not, like things like that. So it's just like a it, they all are this they all are similar because they teach you so much. It teaches you the the what is it the first layer of the cake, the second layer of the cake, the icing, and then the topping. It teach, it gets all in depth. So I'm definitely a advocate for the for dummy book. Um, and I actually just picked up a new book, and this is for my ladies who will be listening to the podcast. It is called, let me get to my Kindle. I have the Kindle app on my phone as well. <laughs> it's called She Means Business by Carrie Green. And I'm not sure when the sale is going off, but if you have Kindle, you can download the free sample and it gives you the whole book. Or if you have the Kindle Kindle, you can purchase it for a dollar. Oh, wow. Okay. On Amazon. But I don't know by the time the episode airs if they're if it's still going to be up there. But definitely check. And that's She Means Business by Carrie Green. And it's turning your ideas into reality and becoming a wildly successful entrepreneur. Well, thank you for sharing, though. You, you, got, you gave a, a wealth of, of, of resources for people to utilize. Yes, definitely. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm all for receiving them and all for giving them because this <laughs> entrepreneur game is crazy. So with that, this kind of transitions into, I guess, right before we wrap up with the interview, a few rapid-fire questions that, that are kind of personality-based, a little um, entrepreneurial-based. But um, with that, um, are you more of a morning person or a night person? Night. Night person? Night. Uh, I, I would be up until 5 o'clock in the morning working. Cool. What's your what's your favorite <laughs> um, Bowie State moment? Ooh, my favorite Bowie State moment. We've had so many. <laughs> Um, what was my favorite Bowie State moment? Oh. Dag, Sean, you would do this to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you don't have so many great moments. I know. I know. I know. Because I think it's like, if I got asked this question, what would I say? And I'm not even sure either. It's a difficult one. Okay. Okay. Let me think. Okay. So this one is personal, but it's so funny. My favorite Bowie State moment. I was getting out the shower. I was an RA. And the reason why it's so funny, because I want you all to keep in mind that it was freezing cold outside. I was getting out the shower as an RA, and the fire alarm goes off. This is not a drill, people. This is real life. And, of course, as an RA, you got to move. You got to clear your residence out. You know, this go time. Right, right. I don't have time to put any underclothes on anything. So I have those Bowie State sweatpants on and a hoodie completely bare underneath. No hat, no gloves. And I think I had on my Jordan slides with no socks on. Why didn't I grab Uggs? I couldn't find them and I had to move fast. So we're running out and everything. So we're standing outside and it's a real life fire going on inside of Bowie Place, CMRC. We're standing outside and I'm like freezing cold, like to the point where I'm just like, I hope nobody can see through my shirt right now. Because I know it looks crazy. And I'm just standing there and I'm so cold. So we get back inside the building, Sean, and the whole first floor was flooded. Because of the Really? <laughs> the whole first floor is flooded. Like you see down the hallway, like just water. So mind you, this is like ten o'clock at night, whatever. Oh my gosh. It's flooded. The rooms are flooded. It's damaged. You know, we got to get people in their rooms. You know, at this, your RA, you can't go to sleep until everything is Right. We didn't go to sleep until 5 o'clock that morning. But the reason why it was my favorite memory is because, one, the, that was funny that I went outside like that. 
I couldn't believe I stood outside like that that cold. And I'm anemic. <laughs> so for me not to even think, like, I was just so in a rush. That was horrible. So that was one that was crazy. But then I bonded with my RAs. We actually had a really good time. We were laughing. We were talking. You know how Booyah is. You be talking shit all the time. You be right. talking about everything. You worry about how everybody looked coming outside. But I'm like, oh my God, did you actually look when she came outside? Did you see him? Why they room look like that? So we just <laughs> there talking and chatting it up. So granted, we didn't get to sleep until like five in the morning, but it was a good bonding experience. It was my first RA tragedy rush and feel. So it definitely was one to remember. So I think that is probably like the, the best worst memory. <laughs> okay. So next question, and it's funny that, that you mentioned that you started out at Bethune-Cookman because I had a question from a PR perspective. Um, okay. You know, if Bethune-Cookman University, like, became one of your clients and they asked you, like, what can we do to clean up after this shit show with Betsy DeVos? Well, I guess well, as, a, as a publicist and a PR professional, I guess what would be one of the first things you would suggest for them to do? The president needs to apologize. Hmm. He needs to apologize, one, for not standing by the tradition of the Cookman. He needs to apologize, two, for insulting his students by telling them, if you do not respect her, we will mail you your degrees. I think that's probably one of the most offensive things to even bringing her. They work so hard to be at that moment and tell them, for somebody they did not... the. One, we know the student government did not approve. Right. The student petitioned against. And you still allowed her to come knowing what you know about what she has said about back colleges and, you know, our funding and just how, why we're relevant, period. And you're allowing her to come speak to your students. And she basically told the only reason why you're relevant is because of this. You owe them an apology and you you owe them literally that much just to come out your mouth and generally apologize and don't have your your public relations person come and say no you need to first release an statement and then well they're over now and he should have apologized at that moment but when school starts back up i'm not i heard that he was actually leaving i think this was his last his last go round but if Mm. he is there that should be at opening convocation yeah that because that that's you know, that's disheartening. And then secondly, Stone Cookman just needs to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Whether you apologize or not, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing. You know, regardless of whether you're on your way out the door, I, you, either you need to go a little quicker or you just need to be on the way. Your stuff needs to be packed and, and on your way out. Because right. there's actually nothing else that I have besides you need to apologize and go. Yeah. Still <laughs> you gotta go. But you gotta but go. But you gotta go. You gotta get out of here. Okay. And then the last question I have for you um, is just at the end of the day, um, what would what do you want to be known for? I definitely like to be known for positivity and being inspirational because you can have the best friend, you can have, you know, the best of everything, the the name, the look, the face, but if your attitude is bad and you didn't take the time to provide people with the tools and the essentials to be successful like you were, then you know, people are gonna say, Oh, well her attitude was negative, you know, she wasn't really relatable, people really didn't get along with her. She didn't really inspire anybody. It was always about, oh, yeah, well, I'm this, I'm that, but she didn't provide anything substantial or anything essential, then you really didn't do much of anything, just make money and look good, and that's it. It was no substance. So I just always want to just make sure I leave that marker being positive, inspiring, keeping young women and anybody in general, you hold substance. 
you hold substance and just always show that. Wow. Well, listen, thank you. That that actually wraps up the, the interview. Thank you for being a part of this and sharing your experience. Uh, means a lot. Um, it's great to see. You know, I know I, I knew you back in the day, and uh, when you were in SGA, and to see your your growth and, and see where you are now, it's it's a great thing to see. So thank you again for being part of this. Thank you for having me. Yes, I remember I was junior class president when we met. Yes. Yep. Yep. Kind of makes so, me feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, geez, how long ago was that? So yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Keep up everything that you're doing. Inspire, being positive, and I cannot wait to hear this episode and definitely share with my followers and my mailing list. Perfect. Well, more information about Milan and the work that she does um, will be posted along with the podcast um, and all of her contact information as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Forever Podcast. More episodes will be out very soon. Um, please listen, subscribe, and comment on the podcast as well. Thank you. Stay connected on your leadership journey with the Mindful Rebel Leadership Podcast by visiting the website, themindfulrebel.co, following the show on Instagram and Twitter at The Mindful Rebel, and subscribing to the Mindful Rebel Leadership Podcast on the following formats, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Add to the leadership dialogue by liking, sharing, and commenting on your favorite episodes. And as always, thank you for the continued support.